present, though they may constitute indications for it. The need for the Conservative Party to win over moderate opinion, the need at the same time to stay connected to its roots, the need to encourage new talent, the need to change the wrong and pick the right leaders, the need to move with the times while continuing to influence them, most relevantly, perhaps, the need to manipulate and to survive coalition, all these obviously sensible imperatives become strangely difficult to reconcile and apply in the practical circumstances of real political life. Were that not the case, of course, the Conservatives would never have been out of power. For their leaders, despite J. S. Mill's suggestion that most stupid people are Conservative, have rarely been stupid. In the last chapter, some of these threads will be brought together, but the result may still look, to those seeking applicable lessons, distressingly tatty. My defence is that political histories, as opposed to political handbooks, offer few neat conclusions and plenty of loose ends. The Conservative Party is, in one particular and little noted respect, not like other modern parties at all. As a result, this book will not read like, say, a complimentary companion to the various histories of the Labour Party. A recent, if forgettable, example may illustrate this point. In June 2009, James Parnell, the Work and Pension Secretary, sent a highly damaging letter of resignation to the Prime Minister of the day, Gordon Brown. In order to assert his nobility of intention, not least in the eyes of Labour Party supporters, Mr. Parnell, with what degree of sincerity it is difficult to gauge, echoed a sentiment often heard on the left. Dear Gordon, we both love the Labour Party. I have worked for it for twenty years, and you far longer. We know we owe it everything, and it owes us nothing, etc. No Conservative politician at any stage of the party's history would have written such a letter. No one has ever pretended to love the Conservative Party. It is doubtful if even the most sentimental member of the Primrose League, let alone a backbench MP, would have claimed to owe the party everything. Any serious Tory figure adopting such a pose would incur immediate ridicule. The Conservative Party exists, has always existed, and can only exist to acquire and exercise power, albeit on a particular set of terms. It does not exist to be loved, hated, or even respected. It is no better or worse than the people who combine to make it up. It is an institution with a purpose, not an organism with a soul. That said, it would be foolish to write the history of the Conservative Party as if ideas, or in the broader sense, ideology, were a mere device, and as if organization were all that mattered. The Conservative Party is more than an instrument. It has an identity. It even professes, in its own fashion, some modest ideals. Conservative politicians who parade their cynicism have not usually profited from it. Ambition curbed, or at least controlled, is a better route to the top. The Conservative Party has its own traditions, habits and passions, even if these are not guaranteed permanency any more, of course, than is the party itself. And again, Tory politicians who ignore them, or their significance, often slip up. A satisfactory history of the party 
has to concern itself with all these elements, and to try to avoid fitting them into a rigid framework of dates and periods that conceal rather than illuminate, particularly when it comes to describing the proto-party's nebulous beginnings, as I do in the first two chapters. A final caveat. There have long been competing tendencies, on the one hand to exaggerate, and on the other to ignore, the role of lower-case conservatism as a philosophical outlook in the life of the uppercase conservative party. Both risks should be minimized by getting the relationship clear. The single best definition of what it means to be conservative, with a small c, remains that offered some years ago now by the philosopher Michael Oakeshott. The well-known passage runs, To be conservative is to prefer the familiar to the unknown.